Welcome to First 100K, the show where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, digging deep to find the tools, tactics, and superpowers that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also the owner of two co-working spaces in Tampa, Florida, where I have the privilege of helping hundreds of entrepreneurs to start, launch, and grow their successful businesses. Today, our featured guest is Jesus, and Jesus, you're like this fearless entrepreneur, right? And I've known you <laughs> for a, a few years now, and take a minute and just tell us what it is you do, what's your business, what's your title, and what industry are you in? Well, my name is Jesus Manes, and um, I started uh, Camino Palms Construction and Properties back in 2000 and. 2004, when I was licensed as a certified general contractor in the state of Florida. And um, so we handle a lot of commercial and residential rehabs, new construction, uh, remodels, historic preservation stuff. Um, throughout the years, we've also developed um, a wing of our company that gets into purchasing property, fix and sell. Mm. Um also redevelopment, buying property that's sitting on land that could be used for other purposes. Mm. You know, so taking down a single family house, rezoning it, putting a couple townhomes on it, stuff like that. So you live in the land of like regulation and zoning and permits and all that. Yes, it's completely controlled <laughs> in yeah. every, every aspect. That's what we, you know, that's what we do. We work with investors as well that have money and want to get into the business, don't necessarily just want to pick up a property on the MLS. They want to work with someone who, you know, we tend to, pl we play on both sides of the fence. So we'll, mm. we'll do houses for investors and we do houses for ourselves. Really? So we, we work with the investors as if it was one of our own personal properties. Sometimes we even take an equity stake in the transaction. That's kind of cool. So like sometimes when you run into a property and you're like, wow, this is a gold nugget. You're like, Hey, why don't we invest in this ourselves? Why don't we take this? That's our primary focus. Okay. You know, that's our primary focus. But then we also get, uh, we have relationships with, like, for example, if you call me and say, "Hey, I'm looking at picking up this property. What do you think?" I look at it as if, as if I was buying it. And I could yeah. tell you, here's the pros and cons of this property, mm -hmm. and um, and we, you know, we work with you, you know, to um, set up like, you know, the the best outcome, the best return. Try to minimize the risk. That's pretty cool, man. Awesome. Yeah. I like it. Very unique uh, niche you got there, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of contractors out there. Right, exactly. Dime and dozen. there's yeah. a lot of investors that depend on various sources. So they depend on realtors to find deals and to sell their deals. They depend on contractors. They depend on title companies to do the background on these properties. We tend to be more of a one-stop shop where mm -hmm. you just come to us. And we, all the way from finding you the funding to helping you sell the place when it's done. That's so cool, brother. Well, all right, let's get personal. Take a minute and share with us something personal about you that very few people in your business life know. Well, I mean, that's a good one. Yeah, isn't it? Well, I mean, I was a computer geek for 12 years prior to all of I this. I did not know that. Yeah. And um, I was a history and math major from University of South Florida. Um, and... Let me see how much how much more some of the guys know, but I'm a musician. I didn't know that as well. What that, do you play? Uh, guitar and drums. 
Okay. Yeah. Pretty start, awesome. Start How often do you get to do that? I try at least once a day for like 20, 30 minutes. It's what kind of keeps me sane. How awesome is that? More guitar than drums, but um, at the moment, because of the setup, the way that I have it, but I, I have to get that in. Yeah. That's like my... It grounds you? Yeah, it's my normalizer, you know? Yeah, I get that. Cool. All right, let's get down to business. So our audience always wants to know, how much revenue approximately did your business do last year? Revenue... Gross, we, gross revenue. Yeah, we did about nine and a half million last awesome. year. Awesome. And what are you on track to do this year? We're probably because we stepped up the commercial end, which tend mm -hmm. to be bigger ticket items than residential. Yeah, we'll we'll cross the ten million mark this year, God willing. Awesome! Um, Congratulations. Yeah, that's you know that's our goal. I mean, um, margins are getting tighter, so mm -hmm. revenues need to go up in order to maintain. You know, sure. And this, this is yeah. a very ex expensive business, you know, to keep my license active just from an insurance and liability standpoint requires a lot of, a lot of funds. I so, get that. Yeah. I get that. Either way, congratulations, man. Thank you. You're building a nice enterprise there for yourself. Thank you. All right. So like Jesus, right? I, I like to say this, say this on every episode. We all love to listen, right? To mega millionaires, billionaires, right? It's just tantalizing on the ears. But we struggle to relate to them because 90% of us entrepreneurs are, we haven't even made our first $100,000 yet, mm -hmm. right? And we're, and we're stuck there, right? Yep. We're like plateauing. Take us back to when you were struggling to make your first 100K and paint us a vivid picture. Tell us that story. So, okay, I guess looking, you know, looking back to, looking back to the beginning of Camino Palms um, construction, you know, you, you see revenue, um, you start to, try to make things happen you crack your first couple deals but so much money goes out and you know you get caught in these things where you know you don't see as much staying behind and you're trying to cover all the expenses and you're trying to make sure everything's flowing at the pace and cause it's all about time in this so, so take us back there like actually let's get out of the stands and get down on the court right so day one zero revenue yeah, so day one, so mine started off a little bit more drastic than normal because okay. I was a computer engineer. I was mm -hmm. I was in my late twenties, making fifty to sixty dollars an hour. Um, I worked for the hospital system. I had the most cush job in the world. Mm -hmm. If anybody at that time was standing next to me, and would have heard me say that I'm leaving, they would have thought that I was an idiot. I had the best possible job, you know, that you could have, but. I had this itch that you know things you know things were changing in that industry, and I knew that I needed to move. So day one, zero revenue. I had to get accustomed to not having that paycheck every fifteen days. So that alone in itself was monstrous to, to get over. You mm -hmm. know, um, especially at the time, my children were um, one was four and the other one was two. So it's not like Got it. you, you had know. bills, you know. Yeah, family, house, yeah, everything. You know, I mean, the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle. So, um, you know, it, it it puts the pressure. You know, um, you know, it puts the pressure that you got to make things happen. So you start off extremely hungry and aggressive, um, and that's where you were. Yeah, yeah. At that mo at that time, I was just out there. You know, you you try to grab as many darts as you can and throw them and see how many stick. And and um, how'd you get your first three deals in that business like what strategies did you use to develop those leads and then convert them so i had people in the business my father's been in the business for a lot of years my uncle does site development so he's involved in the construction side 
luckily for that, I had stuff kind of already, not like teed up, but I had stuff that I can pretty much start going towards right mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. So within like, um, within 15 to 30 days, I had a commercial uh, rehab of a real estate office. And um, about 45 days later, my best friend at the time um, found this acre property up in Pasco County and he wanted to to build a house on it. We worked out like a partnership on the deal. And uh, so right away I began the remodel of this commercial space and constructing a brand new home. Did you have any experience in doing this? You know, I mean, I, I was familiar with it because of just exposure because of my father. Sure. And um, I'm, I'm pretty handy as well. I mean, yeah. I've done a lot of this stuff. I could, you know, at the time, obviously, I knew less than I know now. Yeah, God, sure. well, Hopefully. But <laughs> uh, let's hope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, but I mean, they're putting their trust in you and they're yeah. like being the beta client. Right. Like get the guinea pig. And yeah. It's like nobody likes to be the guinea pig. So it's yeah. kind of hard to put it out there. That's where the, the strength of having my father backing me as far as from the experience standpoint, the architect that I brought to the table is an old school Tampa architect that comes with a very good reputation who's since retired and stuff, but he's a close personal friend. So I just want to um, lean in here because I think this is important for our listeners, right? It's like, if you're starting out on a business, look around you immediately. What, what partnerships, what relationships, what credibility is already present around you? Whether Super important. Yeah. Whether Super it's your important. family and friends and how do you leverage that immediately rather than going out and trying to get the cold sale, the cold lead or whatever. It's like, who can I lean on? Who knows me, knows me as a person, trusts me as a person, uh, knows what I'm capable of and can open a door or two for me, at least those first three doors. Is that what I'm hearing, Jesus? Exactly. See, I, I recommend and I tell people all the time, you need to you need to start off your business and have at least a couple people in your pocket that you've already proven yourself to or that know you personally or that know your ambition or how you are as a person, you know. And, um, you know, to start a business 100% from scratch and also all your potential businesses, like, is from coming is going to come from sources that are unknown at the time you started your business. Mm. That's a little bit scary, you know. I mean, you have to – you leverage what you have you know you built this place you got a friend who's a contractor at least you can get a place built out by someone you could trust or um whatever you you I mean you you try you know from a marketing standpoint or something you we all have resources in our lives we we have friends and family and everyone for the most part has a job right yeah. so like what do they do i mean right whether you know it or not you're plugged into a network yeah. Right. I mean, so if you listen to this podcast, what's your current network right now of business people and what doors can they open for you? Right. And then how do you co connect that to what you're interested in starting, beginning or your existing business? Yeah. I mean, so like I'll give you like a perfect example. And that very first house that I had to do was a very expensive house, very fine detail inside. Well, my father at the time that I got my license, my father, because he had fallen off a roof and he hurt himself, Ooh. and that's kind of like, you know, he's okay now. But, I mean, he, you know, at the time, you know, he was kind of taking a back seat, like semi-retirement. Mm -hmm. And uh, he switched over to just doing nothing but masonry work. So the slab and the walls of the house, my dad handled. And then when it came to the very end, when we had to do all the fine woodworking, well, I have an uncle who 
is in refrigeration. He's not even in construction, really. But he knows everything there's to know about construction because he's Mr. Handyman. He built his own house and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I called him in. So instead of hiring some guy off the street that I don't know whether or not, you know, I brought my uncle in because I know that he can produce, you know. Mm. Um, so I was leveraging as much as I could around me. You know, uh, when I had to get the granite put in the kitchen, I had a really good friend who had just gotten his kitchen remodeled and he had a great experience. So regardless if I could have gotten it for a better price, now wasn't the time to uh, experiment. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was like, I need to go for it. I know this is a known entity. This guy's going to come through for me. Yeah, because your first three deals, you really need to hit them out of the park, right? To you prove do, yourself. yeah. And, and, you know, with time, you know, you also can't, you know, I give this advice a lot. Um, you, you can't expect to work out all your kinks on day one Correct. through 30, you know. But it doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. No. I mean, Sometimes good enough is good enough. Year three and four, you're still trying to figure things out, you Thank know you. I mean? There's going to still be things that you're just getting wrong. I mean, there's wrong. There's things 14 years later that I'm still trying to, like, how, what the hell? Like, you know. Yeah. So speaking of getting things wrong, what would you consider your biggest fail back then before the 100K? Your first year in business, like what was that biggest fail that you consider? I, I always had a hard time with, um, with, um, well, it's okay. So it's like a double-edged sword. You know, I came from the IT world. I sat in an office full of people that had master's degrees and PhDs. And, uh, you know, that was the crowd that I, that I dealt with. When you go into construction, you're not dealing with Mensa members mm-hmm. and, you know, no knock on the t- You know, they're, they're smart guys, but it's a different type of crowd, mm-hmm. you know. And it's a different industry as well. You know, everybody's, you know, my electrician's not just working for me. You know, he has other contractors he works for. So it's like I, I came from a very structured, you know, these are our project timelines, perk charts, Gantt charts, you know, and like, you know, to construction where you can't do that because your electrician tomorrow – has another emergency and he's not there you know your trim guy has a flat tire this guy had to go to miami for something and then you get your schedule and you shred it because that's about how that's all it's worth (laughs) you know so at the beginning you know my failure was that i tried taking the same exact like approach you know fortune 500 company type mindset you know uh into this and just no it doesn't work but at the same time the corporate world gave me the ability to deal with all types of people. In mm. IT, I had, you know, from people from Asia to Indians to, you know, Spanish folks like me and mm. Americans. And so you get to work with all different types of people and personalities. And I've been able to use that skill in in the construction business, yeah. you know, and just it, because it is, it is very volatile. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I work with people that I worked with back then, and there's some people from back then that I've never seen again, you know. So it's kind of like I a hit or miss, you know. Yeah, and I like what I'm hearing you say. Like you took your your existing experience, and at first the mistake you made is that you tried to apply like all of it into a new industry and quickly realized that the it didn't work in that industry, mm-hmm. right? So you came in and said, okay, I'm used to the structured way of doing things, being and acting, and you tried to apply it to construction into this chaotic, more chaotic environment. Of things just going wrong, schedules doesn't just line up, and you always have to be more reactive in this industry rather than proactive. And you know, you run into that brick wall, and then you're like, okay, that didn't work. Um, but let me leverage what else can I leverage? And you're like, you know what, I got people skills, man. I could relate to just about anybody, any walk of life, doesn't matter where they come from, heritage, color, skin, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Boom, that's my superpower. 
you know, that's where I really can connect. Okay, now how do I do that in this industry and get people to move all in the same direction on one project? Is that exactly okay? Exactly. Yeah. So that's a great superpower, right? Having that yeah. people skill and communication with and, all. And you need types. it in my line of work as well, because I'm working with investors that are entrusting me with lots of zeros and commas. You know, I mean, so it's not like they're handing me five bucks to go play on the market or do something. <laughs> I mean. Or you know, so you have to have that trust ability with people, that 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 confidence. They have to look at you and be like, okay, this is someone who I could turn my nest egg over to and actually produce for me. You yeah, know? and that's big. All right, so now I'd like you to describe an aha moment that inspired your biggest win and pushed you over the hundred k. What was like a so big aha moment you had? It was the um, that that moment um, happened twice because you know. Uh, if we're talking specific with our market here in Tampa, now obviously, you know, I've expanded way past outside of this market, but in Tampa, you know, we had that horrible recession back 08, yeah. 09. So I had an aha back then, and I've had an aha since. Luckily, in 2014, it, it happened again. Mm. But um, let's go with the one back then. The one back then was um, I, I realized the importance of networking. I never really did in, you know, in when, when you're working in the, like the job that I had prior, I just had to perform and the directors above me had to be happy. Right. And that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Like I just had to perform, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, obviously be a nice guy and all get along with people in the office. But you know, that was, that really was just, that was more just being civil than yeah, necessary, I get you know? So now you come into this space, this industry, and now what? What's yeah. So I, I uh, I started off just since so going back to what we were saying that you know I kind of started off with the contacts that I had the people that I knew people I met through people, um, I was just focused on getting those first few projects done. Yeah. But then I was called into a meeting, excuse me, with um, a guy who knew a guy who had used my uncle for site development, and it was at Panera over here on Howard and. Um, and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll take the meeting. I'll go. And it was, um, you know, without saying any names, it was an ex-basketball player that had a lot of money and wanted to play the real estate market. Yeah. And um, and after working together for like about six months, we had executed, uh, we had finished one house completely, and then we were starting number two. And this is when the market, market was hot. You could sell a cardboard box mm -hmm. in South Tampa, you know, overnight, you know. Um, we were building huge luxury homes. We were, we weren't shooting small at all. So it, it challenged me also from a construction standpoint, cause it, I really had to step my game up, but he, um, he and I worked out a plan, um, where I had an equity stake. So my aha moment, which also happened again in 2014 by meeting another investor in a similar setting, yeah. um, was when I, when I went. I used I w when I went from being 100% service based where I was just being hired, mm -hmm. and then I switched over to also partaking on, you know, being a partner. I was being a part. I was part of the party on the other side of the fence now. Mm. So instead of making my 20% margin on the construction, I was also getting like a chunk of the equity on the other side, mm. and that's kind of when, when I had my moment. And I said. I need to branch. I need to, you know, um, I, I need to branch out, you know, um, 
because one thing that, you know, with what I've done, the reason why we cover so many aspects of this business is because you gain knowledge. Sure. And one, one thing that entrepreneurs fail at miserably is that they don't put a value on their time or their knowledge. Mm-hmm. You have to realize that you might be a painter um, and you get paid because you're a good painter, but you know what types of paint to use, mm-hmm. you know when to use what yeah. and how the wall needs to be uh, treated and set up for that good use and mm-hmm. stuff. That's knowledge, right? Right. So there comes a point in your business where you, you say, I need to also capitalize on what's between my ears. Yeah, and that's something I bring up on this show a lot is what's your superpower, right? And it, and make sure you're monetizing your superpower, not giving it away. Yeah, yeah, no, you have to. I mean, it kind of came to me like in 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 um, in, um, in pieces, and then I kind of had to like make you know put this puzzle together. You know, I had yeah. and I had that's how invest- most of us find out our superpower, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I had dinner with uh, an investor one time, and he said, "I'm taking, I'm thinking of taking down this deal. I'm doing a half cash. I'm going to finance the other half." And when he explained to me what he was doing with the financing, I'm like, "That's a horrible deal." And I kind of gave him my analysis, and then he's like, "Hey, you know, you're pretty good at this." <laughs> and then I kind of realized, "Well, hell, I'm a contractor. I'm talking to this guy about financing his deal." So then I kind of like started looking into that. Well, like, what do I know about that? Like, why did I came to the conclusion that he was getting himself into a bad deal? Mm. Um, so yes, I mean, you're correct. It's very important to to find a way to put a dollar value to to what you know, your experience. Yeah, you know, I get that, man. That's pretty cool. And that also distinguishes you from all your competitors. It's like, yeah. you know what? When it comes to contracting, it's like you need to call Jesus because he's also on the deal side of the deal, right? He, he's on the investor side. Yeah. So he could speak knowledgeably on both sides, and very few contractors in the, his market can do that. Yeah, I mean, I run my own comps. So I, I, I don't need a realtor to tell me what the house is going to be worth when I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'll have a general idea. I still count on realtors. Mm-hmm. I have a few that I've, you know, I've weeded out some, and I have some that I, can, I trust what they say. Yeah. And I just use them more for like second and third opinions because I'm already kind of going into it with my own gut level feeling uh, as to what's going to happen. And uh, so speaking of that, right? So you said your aha moment was like really kind of coming to that conclusion. Hey, wait a second. I have a lot of knowledge on the deal side, the the finance side of this, um, the money side of the transaction. It's like and then you kind of lean into it. Right. So it's really easy to have an aha moment and then do nothing with it. Right to not execute many people go into that paralysis state so like walk us through the the steps that you took to really like jump into the other side of the deal so i had uh i had a couple deals where um i was having issues getting paid by the investors you know deals Mm. deals that went south because it was a bad deal to begin with Mm. so then i'm finding myself in some some bad situation just because, you know, you decided to go and run off and buy a house and whip, overpay way too much and not really analyze how much money you needed to put into it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I started switching over to, well, I'm not going to get involved with you as a client if I don't agree with the deal you're doing. Mm. So Cause that says a lot about me. Yeah. Well, you know, if at I'm that time I wasn't that smart yet. Okay. Gotcha. At that time, it was more like, I want to make sure you make money because I don't want to have to take you to court or I don't want an excuse from you as to why you can't pay me. Right. Because I still got to pay my guys regardless if you right. pay me or not. 
Um, so you know that if I, as a client, am getting screwed over, it's going to affect your pay yeah. at the end of the project. Yeah, it's all top yeah. down, right? Sure. So, um, so that's how I kind of started. You know, I realized at that moment that now my opinion about your deal matters. Matters. Heck yeah. So that's kind of how I started breaking into that side of things. That's really cool. Yeah, and then. And then at the same time, to play on that side of the of the fence, I had some investors where I told them, hey, instead of my fee being structured in this format, what about we lessen it on this side mm. so it's less out of pocket for you, mm -hmm. but I want this on the back side. Yeah, so you're creating new possibilities of a bigger win-win scenario. Yeah, rather well, than I would where tell one them, party like, loses a little and the other one wins big or something like that. Right, because it also serves as like an insurance plan with these investors. Because I would tell them, look, if we lose together, we lose together. If we win together, we win together. Yeah. And why pay me 100% out of your pocket when a part of it can be paid out of pocket and the other part can be paid um, from the money that's made, which is really house money. You yeah. know, because I started looking at these things like gambling transactions, yeah. right? <laughs> well, it's easier for you to pay me out of profit. You never yeah. had that money to begin exactly. with. Exactly then you're coming out 100% out of pocket mm -hmm. to pay me. So you're t you're removing a lot of the risk, the upfront risk for them. Yeah, I would I would give I would I would try to give the um, investor the feeling that I have skin in the game with you. I'm yeah. here. I'm your partner. I'm here with you. That's huge. You know? I'm here with you. And did I'm, that I, work? Big time. Yeah. Big time, you know? Because then I started getting phone calls like, "Hey, can you drive by this address and give tell me what you think? This is what I'm thinking about doing." Yeah, which so is they, they that's saw you I as like, an equal at that point. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. So as you're listening to this podcast, right, we're we're speaking with uh, Jesus Munez, and you know Jesus is a contractor, but Manes. say it again, Manes. Manes. Uh, you could tell I'm Caucasian, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, Jesus is talking about you know really how he stepped in, starting out as more just the contractor and the service side of you know, a new project. And then he leaned into, hey, how do I really partner with the investors that I'm working on these projects with, where I become an equal with them. So like, think about that in your own business. How do you structure a deal with your clients, possibly where they're not just hiring you, but maybe they're hiring you on the front end, but you have skin in the game on the back end as well. So when they win, you win. When you win, they win. And if you guys lose, you lose together, right? And and I really like that be, that that model because that takes a lot of the risk away from your client. So maybe you're a coach, for instance, right? A business coach. And the way you currently structure your deals right now is that, hey, you pay me X amount of fee um, upfront. Boom. It's just a flat rate and it's a large chunk of cash. That's a lot of risk for that client because they're not sure if, if you're going to deliver what results they're going to get, et cetera, et cetera. What if instead, as the as a coach, you said, "Listen, normally my upfront fee is this. This is the whole thing. It's boom, out of pocket for you. However, I'm cutting that in half, so it's less out of pocket for you. But when you when we win together, any increase from the day you start working with me in your revenue to the day we finish working together, I get ten percent. For sure, for sure, right? And right there, that ten percent." Like if you help them make several million dollars, you're probably going to make a lot more money overall than just getting that upfront fee. Do yeah, agree and, I, and I, I totally, totally agree. I mean, I've had, I've seen that happen. I mean, it's happened to me plenty of times where, 
you know, I probably I, I probably stood to make let's say twenty five thousand off the construction, mm-hmm. um, and I'll take just like a ten thousand dollar profit as a fee for like management. But then with my percentage on the backside, I make an additional 30, 40. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I, I definitely walk away with more. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's not even so much about that. It's just the relationship that you have with that client. It, it, it really enriches that, that relationship because they think of you not just as another vendor. Yeah. Or um, a business partner now. Now you're a business partner. And, they, and if you win together on the first project, they want to do more projects. So it naturally leads to more work, right? More partnership yeah. and more revenue. Yeah, I mean, I have, I went to, I was during the 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 height of like the foreclosure and auction stuff going on here in Florida. I started off as a contractor, uh, one of fifteen contractors for this one hedge fund, and uh, one year later, it was just me and two other contractors, mm. and I was the primary. Like I had first right of refusal on everything. I just couldn't do it because I didn't even have enough people to withstand the volume. And even then, I had 40 rehabs at a time going. At any moment, I had 40-some addresses. Yeah, but what's amazing about that is that you had deal flow all going through you. Now, in that, that's a great opportunity. And I had another gentleman on a show, another episode, and he was talking about how to – kind of pass that work out, right? How to, it's too much work for him. So he would give it away to others and still get a stake in it. Mm-hmm. You know, so he was still making revenue off deals that he wasn't even partaking in, yeah. but they were passing through him. Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 you know, definitely, you know, that's, def- that's definitely in this, in this business. I have a little bit of an issue with a certain aspect of that because this is such a high liability uh, business that, when you sub, you know, when you sub out projects and yeah, stuff, yeah. you're still, your feet are still held to the fire. Yeah. You know, um, if anything goes wrong or anything. And let so. me correct myself. I I used the wrong word, subbing out. So he would literally give the project to one Another of his competitors. Yeah, that's the way that yeah. I like to do it. Is more like a finder's. And fee. then it would hey, be, a, yeah, here, you know. finder's fee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, um, you know, we we came up the ladder with that one hedge fund because all the other contractors were just trying to get in, do the house, get paid and get out. Mm-hmm. Well, I got involved with them because they were buying properties that had liens and all sorts of stuff. So I got involved with them and helping them get stuff cleared up mm-hmm. so they could sell their assets. So I was, I was helping them make money. So in turn, you know, yeah. Who do they want to play with more? Yeah. So they would you. call me and say, you yeah. know, I got here's the next batch of houses. Which ones do you want to you want to do? Love it. You know, that's pretty cool. So looking back in, you know, to your first 100k, in your opinion, what was the number one thing that pushed you over the hundred thousand dollar mark? Just how do you explain it? It was aligning aligning myself with the right people and stop wasting my time with the wrong people. Mm-hmm. I get that, and that applies to every business out there. Yeah, it you does. Know, you have to you have to cut the fat off the steak constantly in this business in, in any business. You have to realize who's making you money and who's costing you money. You know who, who you know the people that are assets and who are liabilities in mm-hmm. your life, and. Um, my my biggest successes have been when I've aligned myself with the ones I should be playing with. 
Mm. And when I've when I've wasted my time on others is when I've you know I've lost. Yeah, and I've had plenty of huge failures. I yeah. mean, <laughs> monster failures. I get that, brother. All right, so uh, share with us, Jesus, uh, one of your daily habits back then, like in that first year, uh, that helped you to get to where you are today. A daily habit. My daily habit was of trying, again, I, it started off with that naive approach of uh, everything can be put into a daily planner and, and you know. You can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my daily habit was making a list. I would start off in the morning by putting on my, my Palm Pilot Trio, if everybody remembers a Palm Pilot before all the smartphones, but I'd put into my Palm Pilot on my calendar, I'd put in everything that I had to do today and in the order and things, um, priorities, priorities, everything. Um, because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't losing track of, you know, I wasn't, you know, forgetting things or leaving things to the last moment or now it's five o'clock and I can't call that guy because his office is closed. Mm -hmm. So um, that was like a daily habit, just trying to forecast not just what I have to do today, but tomorrow, planning things out, just trying to be like ahead, get ahead of the game, you know. Got it. So you always have a pulse on what needs to get done, when it needs to get done by and what takes priority over the others. And you would you would. Uh, write that down daily so that it was always right in front of you. Yeah, I mean, I, I realized early that my efficiency scale would drop drastically if I was working more reactionary versus proactive. Mm-hmm. You know? That's if all I, of us. Yeah, if I spent my whole time just reacting, I wasn't. I might, I might get people off my back, and people are happy with me and mm-hmm. things, but ultimately, I'm, my business will suffer mm-hmm. because I'm not cultivating what I should should be cultivating. So you need to be able to switch hats, you know, from Are you hearing Jesus right now and what he just said cuz that's that's a wisdom nugget right there. It's like sometimes we're trying to put out the fires, put out the fires, put out the fires just to put out the fires to get the pain out of away from us or to get someone off our back. However, at the end of the day, your business is suffering. Yeah. Overall, your business is suffering. Yeah, I mean most the majority of the problems that you'll face is due to the lack of something in your process, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So if you consumed 100% of your time with just putting out fires, you're not fixing the problem that caused the fire. Right. You know, so you have to have that introspective moment of your with between you as the head of your company mm-hmm. and the company and say, why did I get to this point with that person? Or yeah. why did that happen over here? Yeah. Why are there fires to begin with? Right, and you need yeah. to address those, whether it's you know whatever personnel or per- policy and procedure based, you know. Yeah. But you have to have those those moments, you know. I mean, you have to. That's what I, you know, when I had my my office here with you, that was my first three hours of every day. Yeah. Locked myself in that room, organized everything. By nine thirty, I hit the road. Got it. You know, that's that pretty cool. All right, so uh, what is your favorite website, app, or digital resource, and why? That helps you in your business. Um, the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate lifesaver for me is Google Drive. Okay, why? <laughs> Just because, you know, I don't always have my magic laptop and all my documents with me, because I have a computer at home, and... 
there's times where I'm writing a proposal for you and I started it at home and then like I would catch myself like, ah, oh, dang it, I got to talk to Joseph and I, I have all my notes on my desk and yeah, at a different location. Yeah. So like being able to have my documents where I can just grab your phone or your laptop and access my stuff, you mm -hmm. know, I could travel lightly, you know, light, lighter, you know, yeah, much more mobile. Yeah. It was just, you know, that's good. You know, that, that's great. Um, when uh, at times when I've had uh, uh, stronger staff and, uh, you know, more time to be better organized, you know, Evernote was like a huge, huge, huge win for me. Um, Evernote and uh, Asana. Mm -hmm. So I, I highly recommend that for anybody out there. I don't care what you do. Gotcha. Um, Asana, cool. Asana and Evernote. But getting my 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 resources all on google drive was like game changer yeah game changer like i get that big time yeah we use it for our uh co-working businesses yeah for sure gotta yeah. gotta have it very cool okay so jesus this is my favorite part of the show yeah we're about to enter the hustle round this is where i ask you 12 quick fire questions you'll have about three seconds to answer each first thing that comes to you oh wow are you ready yeah, yeah, let's do this. All right, here we go. What's your favorite sound? Uh, my kids laughing. Cool. What's your least favorite sound? Um, it's really stupid, but that's I, okay. Because I'm stuck in traffic a lot. I yeah. hate horns and traffic sounds and all that. It just drives me nuts. Gotcha. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Airline pilot. Got it. What are you most afraid of? Failure. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? Um, you know the whole uh, the whole term paralysis by analysis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just overthinking. Overthinking. What secret fear do you have about people? A fear. Secret fear, like how they view you, how you occur to them, vice versa. I, I've always had a fear that I come, you know, I always try to make sure that I come across as genuine, you know, mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I mean, I always try. So your fear is that you won't come across authentic. Yeah, I don't, I don't like to come across sometimes. I, I don't like to be too harsh sometimes where I just come off as, you know, either arrogant or mm -hmm. know it all or so, you know, I, I try to, um, and I can be bad at that. I can yeah, admit yeah. that. I get it. <laughs> you know, I get it. So what do you wish you had learned sooner in business? I really wish I could have um, understood the value of my, my my knowledge and my hustle and my ability. Got it. So the value of your superpowers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you start off a business and, uh, well, we're in a three-minute round. We're, right, we're so. in three seconds, bro. So, What is a new habit that you want to form? Well, I've been going regularly to the gym now for six months, and I've tried to incorporate that into my – into my routine yeah and it's somewhat working out and then so i'm um no pun intended yeah but <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make it like a permanent thing so awesome. it's, it's still not there i know for a you'll fact do it. it's not a lifestyle change just yet but yeah, you'll do we're, it we're, we're, we're in route got it and what's a bad habit you want to break you know uh the bad habit that i have and i think every entrepreneur can relate is that i overcommit myself to my business right so i mean just you know I have days, well, like yesterday, I left my house by 5 in the morning, and I didn't get home to close to 10 at night. Whoa. So. Um, That's a big one, learning to say no. Yeah, you know, and it's like um, 
Um, We're in the three-second round here. That's true. <laughs> Pick three words to describe who you are now. Three words? Three words to describe who you are now. Word. Even how others would describe you. Um, I definitely hustle, and people know me, uh, you know, for that. So, three words. Definitely. Uh, so hustle. Um. I like I how know, this that's, stumps that's, some that's, people. That's, that's, no, it's <laughs> it's difficult. You know what I mean? I don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> I think I'm a nice guy. I don't know. I'm generous. Um, okay, so generous. I'm generous to a fault. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a nice, you know, I, I I just try to be a good people person. Just, you know, gotcha. uh, I just try to be a good human. So, All I, mean, right. I don't know. Awesome. I'm going to try not that. to stump you on this next one, okay? Uh, Pick good. three words Jeez. to describe who you were back then before you have first 100K. Oh, young, naive. Um, Overly, overly optimistic, you know. Mm. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. See how quick it comes looking back on yourself? It's like, oh, yeah, I yeah. Know exactly. Who I, I was, was way less complex as a person. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. You know, he really tried, mm. you know. Yeah. yeah. He really tried, you know. I. Okay. You know, I learned with time that, you know, you, you, that, you know, failure, there's different types of failure, but if you fail because you really tried, I, th I think it's a success as long as you learn from it. Yeah, for sure. You know, so I like to, I like to always be, you know, known as, you know, that I tried. Got it. And final question. If you could come back to life after you died and tell your family and friends, the people you love most, only mm -hmm. one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Always follow your heart, you know. Yeah, always, I get that. Always follow your heart. Follow your heart from Jesus Manes. Manes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll work on that. Jesus, uh, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? The best way is um, uh, we have a new website coming up, but for right now it's uh, Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, -S, just like the big guy upstairs, mm. at uh, cpcpinc.com. That's Charlie Paul, charliepaulinc.com. Got it. Jesus, thanks for joining us today, and I wish you peace, love, and superpowers. Thank you, sir. Head over to First 100K for even more tools, tactics, and tricks that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm your host, Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you on the next show. Cheers.